So we're back after a week off. Well, I just realized we uh, we we talked about the possibility of not continuing, and you know, after a hundred episodes, and then we take a week off without saying anything to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so busy; I haven't even really been on the Slack much. Does uh, did anyone has there been any concern about that? <laughs> no, but earlier this week, I did chime in and say, you know, I've been out sick for a week, so I haven't been around. I haven't been around anything. I didn't touch. I I really didn't even touch my my system, my email. I mean, I, I kind of glanced at my email and cleared it up to keep it clean. Cause I get a ton of email every day, but for the most part, I, I was just sick, 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 sick. Yeah. I mean, it was all head cold stuff. It wasn't, you know, anything else. It was just, right. Just, You're not dying. I, I wish I would, I wish I could just cut my head off at some point, <laughs> trade it in for a new one. Lego style. Just yeah. pop. Yeah. Put there a new you go. One on. We could see if anyone has a guillotine. Is that what they're called? Guillotine? Guillotine. Yeah, and I've been, oh my gosh, I've been so busy with, uh, mainly with work, but also had uh, a wedding and just kids' sports, which take up a ridiculous amount of time. Oh, they do. But mainly work, man. Gosh. I've been. Uh, Are you complaining about having work to do? No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I just wish sometimes it wasn't so intense. It is, it, that does seem to, to be the norm these days. Not that I'm complaining either. Just well, part of it this seems is, like we don't get three months to, to comfortably complete a project. It's, you know, oh, we need this yesterday, so we'll give you two weeks. For some reason, when people hire a consulting company to do something or a consultant or whatever, you know, they a third party, whether it's a person, a company, whatever, they've, they've waited too long to engage. They typically don't have enough budget. <laughs> And so they want, you know, they want more than what they can afford sooner than can, they can reasonably get it. Well, that's just human nature. I mean, I, 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 I go to the store to pick out my shiny new TV or stereo, and I'm thinking this thing that's going to be awesome. And then I find out, oh, that's a couple of grand. I'm not ready to spend that much money on XYZ. Yeah. We all have ideas of grandeur. That's well, different when you have a business that needs something, but a lot of times it's just they don't want to, it's like they don't want to pay for it. Well, we didn't want our budget to be that big. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm. It's going to make you this much money. The budget is about ten percent of that. You do the ROI calculation, and you're saying ten percent is too much. Yeah, I mean, okay. But uh, no, it's just one of the you know. So a typical project, especially for a new client. I mean, I, I do a lot of. Usually, I'm doing like, uh, what do you call it? Like, I'm just ongoing work for existing clients, and we've got a good relationship going. You know. Yeah, the cogs are oiled. and Yes. The human resources are well-fed well and nurtured. and <laughs> You are a resource, sir. <laughs> as much as you want to deny it, you are no, a it's resource. No, it's typical with a new client that it's, it's just kind of a, a crazy situation. Yeah. But anyway, so I've been working on this Angular app. And it just reminds me that, because I've gotten, once again, like very intimate with JavaScript and, and TypeScript and, and NPM. Yeah, and it's just, I, I saw you in TypeScript on that couch. Yeah, into on, so TypeScript is, is kind of the bright spot of this whole situation. Um, my only complaint about TypeScript, really, I don't know, I won't say my only, but my, I guess the most significant one is that it's actually just a, it's a big language and, and I'm fine with that, but so much of the language is not even going to be touched by probably 90% of developers that use it. They're going to stick to pretty much, and I say this all the time. Of that, JavaScript? Yeah, they're going to stick yeah. to, basically they stick to JavaScript. Um, 
you know, TypeScript's got a lot of features that really make it look more like a modern like C-sharp or Java. Yeah, but... Okay, just to clarify, TypeScript is going to end up JavaScript. Say, uh, expand on that thought. So TypeScript is a layer on top of your JavaScript that lets you kind of do data typing and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately it's all JavaScript in the back end. With, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know the ins and outs enough to say that it's a compiled to JavaScript or if it's just a, I guess that's kind of what it is. I don't know if it's a real-time script or anything, but I mean, for me, it's, it's just a, it's kind of like Dart and everything else that tried to expand on JavaScript and, you know, do a lot of things that the JavaScript was failing at, you know, the data typing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it, you're, I mean, you're pretty much right. I mean, it does, it compiles down to JavaScript. And so it can be run in any, I mean, the problem is browsers, right? You're, you're, if you're running this, let's say you're running something on uh, some NPM thing on your server. I mean, you can, you can, you're, you're fine to use whatever version of JavaScript, you know, right. ES, what is six, it? ES, five. yeah, they, what do they call it? Do they call it ES6 now? Or is it ES2015? I think it's ES6 now. It's, well, yeah. But, you know, if, as long as you're using a version of NPM that supports that, you look at, and you look at, or whatever, I'm sorry, a version of Node, for every, you know, you can look at the version of Node and see exactly which JavaScript features it supports, and you can code directly to those. You don't have to worry about someone's browser only supporting JavaScript 5, right? But when you're making browser apps that are gonna, going to go out into the wild, you, not, you now have to kind of program against that, you know, common denominator. Right. And things like TypeScript allow you to break out of that to some degree, and also things like um, what's it called, Babel? Uh, is that the so that will you, you can write in like you can write in ES six, and it then it compiles that back down to ES five. But yeah, you can you can you know you can program directly in TypeScript or ES six, and these tools will then com- basically compile that down to something equivalent, to, but in ES five. Right. There are a few limitations you have to be you have to watch out for both in Babel and TypeScript on things that it won't compile down correctly or there or there's some kind of catches to it that you, you kind of need to some know kind about of work yeah but i mean i would say 95% of features compile down to es5 and you don't really have to worry about it um but yeah i mean there's just there's just a lot of stuff i mean so i'm just looking through the list here i mean typescript's got in addition to typing which is the big thing you know it's got interfaces classes uh pretty interesting generic support um it's got pretty good compiler like type inference Mm-hmm. So, even though you don't declare a type for a variable, the com- compiler looks at how you use it, or or if it's being assigned to the re- return value from a function or something, it looks at that function to see what that's returning, and it will give it a stat a strong static type at, at static you know at compile time to make sure that you're using that right everywhere. So that's pretty nice, and um, it's got symbols and um, generators, iterators, kind of a kind of a Python type thing going on there. Of course, modules has namespaces. <laughs> Where's my bell? <laughs> oh, wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, mix-ins and it has decorators, which decorators are kind of like, what do they call them in C-sharp? Attributes and Java, it's annotations. Yeah. So quite, uh, you know, a hell of a lot more feature than, full feature than Apex is. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of sad that, you know, the scripting language, you know, just completely blows Apex out of the water. Yeah, but I mean, it's. It, and it's so we can write, <laughs> you know, crummy browser apps. Yeah, I, I, I almost want to say that maybe you could do that with, with Salesforce. And I guess to some extent you could write, you know, something that would compile down to, to Salesforce that adds a bunch of features that it doesn't have. But ultimately, it's still got to. 
with any of these things, it, it, it's compiled down to JavaScript or it's compiled down to, to Apex, and then you're in that world. And you know, it's it may be easier to code, but then it's all about maintenance. How do you how do you debug that kind of stuff, and what supports it? Uh, it it kind of goes back to kind of like the the mapping for CSS once it all compiles and minifies and everything, and you're sassified. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they had to we had to invent a whole new thing to be able to debug that stuff. Which which came in the form of the am I saying it right the map source map source map there yeah. you go um, so that you can have some chance at debugging that stuff yeah and source maps works pretty darn well actually surprisingly well I'm almost, I'm actually using them in Azda wow how did that I mean it just knows exactly where something is in the source file yeah but the other thing I've been getting more into and I. I've done this um, some of this in the in the Java world, but this is my first time of doing, I guess, reactive programming in JavaScript. Now, I've done a lot with promises in Java, which are or Java, sorry, JavaScript, which jQuery. which is great. Yeah, okay. jQuery has right. their built-in kind of implementation of them. Right. If you don't if you don't add something, but there's a couple of different the A plus promises and a couple, but other I don't know. They all kind of look the same to me. I know there's subtle differences, but. Yeah, promises are great. I mean, the way the model that it gives you for avoiding callback hell is pretty good. And but you know, Angular two is all built around uh, RxJS, right? Which is the reactive extensions for JavaScript. Um, and I'm you know, I was trying to explain to you earlier, like if you if you try to explain to someone, well, what is react? What are the what are the reactive extensions? What is reactive programming? It's really hard to explain. Yeah. So I don't know if you're interested, you just have to go check it out for yourself. But um, it's basically a way to turn, uh, and it really applies to JavaScript, and JavaScript because in JavaScript, everything is asynchronous. Like, you can't do synchronous programming. And so you have all these asynchronous streams of possible things, whether it's clicks on a button, or HTTP calls, or reading from the file system. I mean, everything is a, is a possible stream of events. And, and Reactive is basically just a set of tools to and abstractions, really, to make dealing with those events um, it turns it into a, a completely different mental model that is so much easier to understand and and to and to deal with. And when you look at the resulting code, your code, you're like, oh my gosh, that like the way that reads is so nice. It just right. like you can read that and know exactly, and and you read it and you're like, that is so simple. And then you think about what the code would have looked like back in callback hell or whatever to do that, and it, you're just like, I don't even know how I would have done that. Yeah, I mean, it technically is possible, but the code would have been a disaster and not maintainable. Yeah, and I mean, no I, one else would have understood your code. I mean, I, I can remember just trying to do pure JavaScript, and just every method had some had a callback. Well, it, it, it's similar to, to jQuery. Everything has a return. Every method you make has a return, and everything has a callback argument that can be passed yeah. in. But when in your callbacks, you need to call some another asynchronous method, so you have to pass a callback into that, and that, yeah. and that, and then and it just, just yeah. yeah, it just gets ugly. Yes. So yeah, I've really dug into RxJS, which is I still feel like I've just scratched the surface, but I mean, it's just it's actually pretty pretty damn great. Um, the only problem I'm having right now is I'm on, this is kind of a Greenfield project, so I picked Angular 2, I'm using Bootstrap 4, I'm using RxJS 5. Um, these are all things that are like in some stage of alpha or beta. Actually, uh, Ang Angular 2 is is released now. Yeah, it's GA. But, um, yeah, the Bootstrap, um, RxJS 5, and there's a couple of other things I'm using that are all in either alpha or beta, just because I don't, I don't want to start this project with the previous versions because they're already on their way out the door. 
Well, it's a tough line to draw. It is, because the downside is I'm dealing with alpha and beta stage stuff. Like every time, and again, this gets back to the absolute hell that is NPM. And it's not necessarily, although part of it, it's not necessarily NPM itself. It's just the JavaScript ecosystem. I mean, there's a million different ways to do things. Mm -hmm. uh, just in the way that, I mean, you know, you'll have some minor package update and it breaks tons of other stuff. Um, it just... I'm it, actually considering for certain development projects, um, starting a VM and, and doing that because it just to isolate everything in the system. Um, yeah, that's, that's something I guess you would strive for. The challenge is though, even if you're in a VM, I mean, at some point you're going to be like, oh, I want to get the new version of this doodad. And the problem is that doodad requires... And you know, a couple of new versions of the things it requires, and then so these transitive dependency requirements. You know, you upgrade one thing, and it results in you know 150 new things, but one of those is not compatible with this other thing. But it wasn't tested on that. You know, this version of this thing wasn't tested with a ver you know certain version of the other thing, and now something's broken. You don't know why. You don't. I mean, it's some library you haven't ever heard of because it's a transitive dependency that's 12 levels deep that you don't directly touch at all. It's like what right. the, you know. It's just you start it's getting really these a mess. messages when you update, and you just. And this is a real problem in the JavaScript ecosystem. It is. But, but, you know, fundamentally, though, we are building big applications. I mean, the main programming language for modern applications is this piece of crap that we call JavaScript. It is really... Because even, even if you look at the new versions of JavaScript, they're, they're fundamentally building on the same broken JavaScript. They're just adding new features. They're baking in promises or mm -hmm. pet modules and things like that. But it's still, they haven't changed the fundamental problems of JavaScript. And it, it's, it's a shame because JavaScript is, and it always kind of has been, it's got some really powerful aspects to it that were, I would say, ahead of their time, but I'm sure the, sure the language geeks would say, uh, no, it turns out that Simula in 1972 had that feature. You know, okay, whatever. But I'm saying, you know, um, the fact that, though, how it deals with functions and, and the fact that functions are first-class citizens and all that, I mean, that's, for me, it was like, that was the first language I worked on where that was the case. I mean, I came from C and Java and then like this JavaScript thing and it's got, it's much more dynamic and, and just it, having a quasi-functional language was, you know. So are you... And, and for the fact that the longest time I didn't even recognize that power in JavaScript. It wasn't until, you know, what was the guy like, you know, until I, I, I got more deeper into JavaScript and, and read like the, the JavaScript, the good parts and, mm -hmm. and, you know, just started doing more interesting things with JavaScript. When, when I when I moved on from treating it like the little toy that would just handle a couple of little animations here and there and, and actually building bigger stuff with it, that's when... Right. And that, you know, I used JavaScript for, I don't know how long, a decade before I really took it seriously? Before I had to? I don't know. I don't know. when. Did, I mean, JavaScript's like, what, 95? And I don't know when I, when I started, you know, learning JavaScript at a more serious level, but... I, I, uh... <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that I, uh, I took a bet on VB script. <laughs> and lost. Yeah, because IE supported it in the browser. Yeah. Right? And you thought, hey. The world runs on, on Windows yeah. and everything, everyone uses Boy, IE. I, and Thank God. You got to admit, thank God you lost that bet. Yeah, yeah, thank God I lost that one. <laughs> I mean, we st we are stuck with JavaScript, which is not, probably actually is not that much better, but yeah, at least I prefer the syntax of JavaScript over, over VBScript. Yeah. Um, but, but you're... So are you trying to advocate that, that JavaScript become more like C in, in those ways? Because, I mean, we got to remember that this is whatever we code and ends up as JavaScript ultimately gets compiled by your browser and executed 
it's 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 no. it's not even its final form of your code. Yeah, no, I mean, I wish they would fix some of it. Like the fact that you can, you know, in JavaScript, and I don't email me because I know you can do things like use strict and whatever. You can you can fix that. You can prevent this from happening. But like you can you can assign a different value to undefined and just break everything, right? Well, I mean, the, the way that it coerces for equality comparisons, it's just it's just a mess. I mean, the 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 support for numbers is just atrocious. Well, ES6 addresses a lot of that, and actually, the yeah. attempt started with ES4, which we're not supposed to talk about because it did because it 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 was <laughs> aborted. It was aborted. <laughs> yeah, um, but but a lot of Rest that did peace. end up in ES6. So, <laughs> I mean, we're kind of getting there, but it's interesting. Poor even, God didn't even have a chance. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. But I mean, it's interesting to see some of these things start to come through, and it's kind of, a, I guess, a little more pra- pragmatic approach at trying to enable some of these features. However, I mean, one of the bigger issues we have is it's not like C Sharp comes out with 4.6 and we can all start using that because we have a new VM to run that. No, we have to wait for Chrome and Safari and Firefox and who, who else is out there? Those are the main ones we all care about. For them to start supporting Edge, those, those I, languages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like nowadays, I mean, I can remember when, I know this is going back a while, but people for, were forever concerned with going, with supporting like IE4 and up, Netscape 4 and up. Remember that? I mean, those didn't. The concern for supporting the version 4 of those browsers lasted years longer than it should have. And so we were, I mean, we were doing, you know, JavaScript and mainly CSS techniques. Mm-hmm. I mean, the CSS techniques that we could use were so limited because people still wanted to make sure it worked on IE4. I'm like, dude, come on. I know, but I feel like nowadays a lot of that's been people are more aggressive. I, I think I think as browsers like Firefox and Chrome started just auto updating, which and now it, and now that, there's Edge a pros and cons to well, that. True, I mean, obviously we re- we ran into that issue a few few weeks uh, a month or so ago when Chrome updated and it yeah. broke something or, or it didn't handle something correctly. Right. Um, and that doesn't happen often. Though. I think the benefits just of the how it changes how people think about their browser and updating right. the fact that they're auto and the browser. Vendors feel, I think, like uh, that it's okay for them to really iterate fast. I mean, these versions of Chrome are just—it's just like they're on some kind of—I don't know what the frequency is, but it, it seems like they're almost on just like a continuous thing. So, so is, let, let's 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 say, and that, you don't have to worry about let's it. Say that okay, I don't even we, know we've what, solved what? that problem. Most people are auto updating, right? Well, here's a new problem for you. Okay, touch devices, right. phones, iPads, phones with different resolutions, touch support. My my. My my wife's computer is dead now, right now, because my son dropped it and it it the way it fell it it messed with the uh, power port, oh. so it kind of got dead. It kind of got pushed into the to the machine. Yeah, and uh, it's out of warranty. I thought I might be able to unscrew it and fix it, but for some reason the the screws on there I don't have a I don't have the compatible um, head for oh, it. Oh, I probably have those. I have a bunch of them, but none of them worked. It's, it's just it's like, not a Torx. It is okay, but none of the ones I have, and I have a ton of them, hmm. didn't fit. And the one that did fit, the one didn't really fit. It was stripping because okay. it was just a little bit too small. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Apple is continuously modifying their screws to keep those of us who want to get in there from getting in there. Apparently, yeah. That's the only reason I can think of. Why would they keep changing the screw? I don't. I don't think that's what it is. I well, I think they. Um, a lot of times it's. They want to get a smaller and smaller screw, but also I think the reason they use those Torx is Torx probably. I mean, there's a reason they're called Torx. I think they they're actually safer and they they strip less and they for a for a given the size of the screw and the size of the like the hole that you're you know putting your mm-hmm. screwdriver into, 
there's more grip per size than on things like Phillips but or I whatever. I have really small torques. I have, I, right. I, I don't know the numbers, I but know. I have them have Maybe really you, small yeah. and it just wouldn't fit. I mean, they, the Not numbers get weird. They get to like, they start getting to like double zero and triple zero size yeah. and stuff. It's just but very this, strange. Yeah. E- either way, I couldn't get into it and it kind of pissed me off. But um, so we have an appointment. I'll, I'll take it in and have them deal with it. Um, but that meant my wife had to start using her iPad more for a lot of the stuff she normally does. And she just, I could just see her complaining. Every time she go to a site, she complained because it just wasn't compatible with her, with her iPad. And she's up to date. Yeah, she's up to date. Okay. She's got a, I got her a new iPad earlier this year. Well, that's so weird because I thought we were iPad. past that. I thought we were, I thought we were past <laughs> that. Like the web, you know, we now know how to create websites that are, that aren't pixel perfect. We're over that. Like we're, we're, no, we're, we're not. We're now more about, you know, responsive designs and doing things that, that don't rely on pixel perfect accuracy. They, they, deal with different formats and sizes better. No, not in every case. I mean, you look, I mean, web web pages now are are much more than just a page of content. They're they're really applications. Even even if your new even your news feed at nude feed news feed website is an application. It's got these advertisements that are that are colliding and, and the, making things horrible for you. The question is what is your nude feed? My nude feed? <laughs> oh that was a little slow <laughs> Oops, sorry. Oops. Carry on. That's what I call my. <laughs> okay, go. Well, go ahead. Well, I'm. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to make the argument that that all of these sites have got have grown past the point of just being straight text and displaying images. They've become applications. They run JavaScript. They run ads and pop-ups and track things and do all these kind of things. And when you start moving oh. to these smaller form factors, they're not working for well, that. Well, one of the big problems is so many websites are so laden with ad crap that even on a powerful computer with 16 gigs of ram it takes it can take a long time for like just the like a, a typical news site to load up because they're doing it so poorly and my complaint is is i run adblock not because i don't want to see your ads and support you in in giving providing me content it's because the ads that you're showing are taking over the entire content yeah. they're taking over my machine they're they're running video they're consuming a ton with, of resources. With no way to disable autoplay. That's right. just rude. I'm running adblock because you guys are being intrusive. You guys are being jerks yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, that's why there's... What's Run the, quality ads. No. I don't mind watching your ad. I don't mind seeing your banner. Sometimes I click on them. What's this movement called that um, I, th- I think Ghostery and like, Google and some people have been involved in to determine like what is considered... And there's a name for it. I can't remember what they call it, but like a, a, a good ad, you know, like a reasonable ad. Yeah. Um, there's 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 like a movement and kind of a consortium around that. It's tough. I mean, even even TV has they've made attempts to try to fix TV ads, and I don't think it ever got anywhere. But there was a petition for for regulating the volume of TV ads because uh, TVs have it built in now where where if it sees a spike in volume, it brings it down. I forgot what that technology is called. It's just like audio level compression. Yeah, level compression. But basically, what these freaking rude ass dumbass mf or advertisers would do is they they'd create their ad with with a higher volume so whenever it goes and through sure. and plays it blasts it yep and i even have that with some web content so i'm watching an apple tv app maybe history channel or something and one of the ads will play and it's just blaring the entire show's at a certain level but then this ad comes on it's just blaring at me mm. and it's just on purpose yeah. it's rude right it's inconsiderate yeah there's actually standard i can't remember what they're called but there are standards for audio levels like in, in TV and radio and stuff. Um, but I think at some point there was some kind of federal reg, or there's a push for, for, for there to be some kind of federal reg, regulation on it. 
I don't see that much of that problem anymore on, on TV. I mean, I have satellite, so I don't know if that. I, I, don't I wonder. Know if they do a better I wonder job if, if the the uh, studios, what networks, yeah, have started mandating. Maybe it. so. Like, I don't think it ever got anywhere in as a federal law, right? But I, I, th- I think I think they saw that those of us in the consumers hated it. All right. So back to browsers and, and this, you know, auto updating and regular updating they do. This is an ask John. John, what is the current version of Google Chrome? Uh, 50-something? 50 58? 54. Oh. But anyway, my point is like, it's just changing so much, we don't even know what the versions are anymore. Yeah, we don't. And, the only, and, and probably the only reason I know that is because that issue we had forced me to go and look at the version. And that's when I was that's when I started paying attention to the version again of, you know, when it broke, what version was good, what version was bad. Although going backwards is near impossible. Yeah. It's not, but it's a pain in the butt. Right. Because then you have to make sure you install the, uninstall, install the previous version after finding it somewhere. Hopefully someone put it somewhere. And then you have to make sure to turn off auto update so it doesn't update. Yep. Anyway. Hey, um, this, have you seen this show, Westworld? New show? I've been hearing about it. I don't remember Westworld at all. The movie? The movie. What was it no, called? Was it called Westworld? Yeah. Okay. I, I remember a image of a cowboy with the face being taken off, and you just see look, a little bit of a computer background oh. of the mm. face. And I, yeah. I think that's the image I remember from, from, what, what, from the classic Westworld, I think. I just asked because it seems like it would be a show that you would like. There's a lot of shows I I think I would like, but they require an investment from me of time. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, See, I use TV and even like Stranger <clears throat> Things. I I it's on my list. I need to watch it, but I haven't. And I know a new season is on the horizon, and I'm anxious to watch it so I can watch the next season. Yeah, but there's also a bunch of new stuff on Netflix that I just I haven't gotten. To. I know there's. Well, that's you know we're it's the we're we're in this golden age of like TV, and mm-hmm. it's weird to even call it TV because it's. It's not it's not broadcaster cable anymore, and so much nowadays as it's Netflix and who else is doing uh, Amazon? Um, I think Hulu does. They all have this yeah. original content. It's just like we've got all this great content flying at us from all directions, and it's impossible to consume even five percent of it. Well, I mean, the other thing with Netflix, which I like, is that you basically get the full season. Yeah, you get the season. You can watch it. That doesn't solve the problem of uh, just the <clears throat> overload of content. There's, but it solves my problem in having to be invested. I mean, I. I well, it's still a problem, but I could say if I really cared about a show, say, this is my Stranger Things day, I'm, don't talk to me, leave me alone, I'm going to sit here and watch this all day. And I could do that. Yeah. Versus, okay, 2 o'clock Tuesday, I, I, I'm in, um, I can't do any social functions or anything because i got to be at home so I can watch this. Yeah. I mean, just like 10 years ago, I mean, you could easily watch all of the TV content that you were actually interested in. Nowadays... I can't, there, I'm, there's so much that I'm interested in that I, I just have to, I don't know, somehow pick and choose which one I'm going to watch. I mean, because also, you know, you still have to leave time for other leisure activities and re- I, I can't, reading I, and things like that. I can't that. really, <clears throat> I, try to, I try to get my reading, I try to get some pet projects out of the way. I have house chores. I like to game, so there's some games that I've been meaning to play or have started playing and haven't finished. Um, and, and then you have TV and all that kind of stuff. We, we just, we're just overwhelmed with entertainment yeah. and things to do. That's true. That really are mean nothing to the world. Yeah. We're not advancing society by sitting and watching this TV show. No, we're just 
sitting around watching TV shows, being useless, useless citizens. Well, uh, any news that's interesting? Uh, yeah, there's a ton of news that's interesting. We forgot to say Salesforce, and we're like uh, 28 minutes in. That's uh, that's going to be bad reviews already. I, I almost cut you off and said, "Yeah, we didn't, we haven't talked about Salesforce, but JavaScript is definitely relevant to Salesforce. Salesforce Lightning. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke. <laughs> we're not calling it Lightning anymore. John just flogged himself. For for, for, for those who do not know, <laughs> Lightning is dead. There's no more Lightning. It's all Einstein now. Yeah. Because Winter 17 got freaking rebranded to Einstein. The first time I've... Has, has a, a... What do they call that? A release? Has a Salesforce release ever been tagged with no. a... This is the first time ever. Yeah. It's always been the, the you know, season, year, release. And for some reason, it, it changed to season, year, Einstein. I wonder why they picked this edition to be Einstein, considering that um, pretty, pretty much all of the reports from analysts and others about Einstein... Are that it's not much there. Not it's, all. I, I I didn't see any positive reviews of it. Oh, I ha- I have some marked because I, oh, I was laughing at them. Okay, because I I didn't see those. I just I saw ones that uh, were saying that it's you know our early days, not a whole lot there yet. Whatever. Well, okay, okay. So I'll admit the ones that are positive on it are the uh, financial blogs. Really. Yeah, because oh no, that, that that's guys that are trying to pump up the stocks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's all that is. I mean, yeah. you have to be really careful on that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll still get people like emailing me articles, um, or, fact, or, uh, or DMing me articles of like of of these oh. algorithmically generated, these bot generated articles. I'm like, can you not tell that's a bot generated article? Oh, okay. Here, so here I actually have some quotes. Okay. So, so this is relevant. I'll, I'll get into this one. Salesforce.com Inc. This could push CRM stocks sky high. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so this article centers around the Twitter acquisition, which we don't, I'd like to get into, but we don't have to get into it right now. And the fact that their stock was down because investors did not think it was a good buy for them. And as soon as they officially said, yeah, we walked away, we're not doing that. It went back up. And so then the article transitions from that talk and, and the rise in stock from that to Salesforce Einstein, a great recipe for continued growth. And so they're touting this as, as, you know, this growth opportunity and this and that. It's three paragraphs long that it tries to make this case that Einstein is, is going to produce sky-high stock prices for them because of so, uh, because of so much value that it's going to produce. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that reminds me, just looking at Salesforce's, I mean, heck, just last summer alone, didn't they, didn't they make like $2 billion in acquisitions? Um, a billion and a half in in AI over the past couple of years. <clears throat> and some of their acquisitions have been revenue-focused, meaning, you know, again, they've, they've got to find areas of growth. And there's not a whole lot of growth in CRM. Um, marketing has slowed down a little bit. Service is still kicking okay, but it's, it's, you know, given that CRM was such a large percentage of their business and it's slowed down so much, a lot of their acquisitions are going to be growth-related. Um, I don't know if they view the, the machine learning acquisitions as growth i i don't i hope they don't i think that most of this machine learning stuff is going to be table stakes for any decent crm system or marketing system i mean to to say that oh our you know our crm has predictive lead scoring or you know our marketing system will you know look at these images and correlate it to whatever i mean that's it's not going to be a feature you can sell it's just going to be required 
if you well, if you're going to, to have a feature that that you can sell because from my my understanding it's what an additional fifty per user. Well, that's that's what I'm questioning, and it depends. I mean, if Salesforce can parlay these acquisitions into a really compelling additional service or feature set, then maybe they can sell it. Here's my problem with AI, though, in general. But I don't know that anyone out in the in doing daily day to day business, selling stuff, buying stuff, is saying, you know, I really wish we had some system that could recognize this, so I can get rid of this person that cost me X Y Z, so I so the system could do it, and we can we can be a little more profitable. Uh, yeah, I, I, the stuff that they're solving for doesn't seem to be things that's going to increase profitability in general. It's just this nice to have assistant that gives you something to think about. Their recommendations, mm. their their maybe some some kind of trending analysis, or something, some kind of statistical ana- analytics, but it still requires a person to go in and make the decision. I can imagine. Well, hmm, I don't know about that. I, I can imagine the benefits. I mean, you're saying you Einstein get, is going to be able to do a lot. Well, I mean, like given, like, say you're a company, you got a lot of leads or opportunities. I mean, if if the system can tell you which things you should focus on, I mean the. Computers are much better at crunching those numbers than than we are. The question is, is you know, like for example, currently it appears it appears that Einstein is not using like external signals for these kinds of things. It's looking very inwardly at your data. It, it that you is. Have. I mean, it's it's machine learning that's seeded with with historical data. But that's not but that doesn't that doesn't account for data that changes. That doesn't account for for changes in in you know what the consumers right. want. What well, you know, all all these external factors. And that was just we were having that conversation earlier. I won't name any names. Protect the innocent here, but. <clears throat> about, you know, it was one of these machine learning tools that Salesforce has bought and, and they, were, they used it on some of their data and then they were like, well, we're going to do an org merge so when we, when we bring in all this just, you know, additional historical data from this other org, is it going to take that into account and, and re, rebuild its you know, algorithms and all that, re, reteach it? And they're like, oh, we hadn't really thought of that. Um, do, do people do org merges often? And they're like, yes. <laughs> And that, so, that really comes down to the tools. I mean, it, if it's just if early you can only days, seed man. once, if you can only see the algorithm once, and that's it, you're one and done. This becomes useless to me. You have to be able to to, to reseed it from scratch at some point in time. Or yeah, or it should just be. You shouldn't have to worry about that. Actually, it should know. No, because if you the more you have to tell it what to do, the less intelligent it is. And yeah, I, but I mean, if if you look at your the data in in its entirety. And you've decided to try something new, and and that new thing is going to produce us ends up producing a certain result. Depending on on that historical trend, that historical trend could still be dominant over this this new piece of data that's maybe yeah. a little more successful. Which means all its recommendations will be skewed towards that original methodology versus what you're doing yeah. today. Well, and it can only act on the data it has. That's why that was my point about. It, it it seems from just reports so far that these tools aren't really using external data sources. Uh, you know, scouring all the world's information to improve intelligence on. But isn't on, that what we're trying to to solve for? The, I think the, eventually the emotional the emotional aspect of people that react to things and and maybe are not looking at things from a logical perspective from a from an analytic perspective that are just reacting to the emotions with these AIs. I'm not sure I follow you. Well, I mean, with anything we do as humans and decisions, it's it's our own s- skill, experience, oh, our biases, bias, right? Yeah, exactly. All those things that come into play in that decision, <clears throat> right? But what 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 companies want, what what 
statistics and analytics want is they want hard data and they want to infer something from that hard data. Right. I mean, the system can do like thousands of, of regressions in a second and figure out something, whereas it would take us, I mean, there's no way you could, you could do that. I mean, it can just do things we can't I mean, do. I, I might say to you, you know what? I think that 100 people love this podcast. They love us. Absolutely. But that's just my own bias because it's me. But you may be able to pull, pull stats from our downloads and go, yeah, not everyone loves us. Right. There's, there's 3 million developers and we don't even put a dent in that. Right. That's the difference. That's yeah. the difference between people and, and a system crunching the numbers. Right. But again, that data has to be somewhat accurate, somewhat valuable. Somewhat... It goes back to the good old garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I had some quotes here on the, on the early reviews of Einstein. So these, these are all from analysts. Uh, very early stage and it's a couple years away from becoming a mainstream product for large businesses. Um, another one, in, in other respects, there isn't a lot there. The predictive lead scoring isn't utilizing, oh, here we go, is not use, utilizing a lot of external data sources that you'd need in the marketing automation platform and it's not nearly as sophisticated as standalone solutions. So other, other solutions that are out there, I guess. Um, here's another story. It's a, it's a bank from the, from the Bay Area, an unnamed bank. Uh, that was an early adopter, and they burnt their fingers with Einstein. Now, John, this is another Ask John. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> this is a metaphor I'm not familiar with. Burning your fingers on something? Did you get too hot to the fire? Maybe is that what that means? Or I think they, they put too much trust in the system and, and allowed it to dictate a lot of what they did. I also when I, I mean, was, that, that's, that's a big thing with, with artificial intelligence. I mean, how much, how much do you let it kind of run on its own before you go, crap, it made some really bad decisions? We've seen technologies try to do this. We saw the, what was it, that Microsoft bot that tried to, to, to be an AI, try, attempted to or the, by inferring conversation right. based on things it was talking to. And eventually with enough input, people got it to respond in racist ways. Right. <clears throat> it was just reflecting the things it's observing, right? I mean, well, yeah. People are, yeah, it's true. I mean, it was, it was or, very, or, very much a reflective technology. What about the Tesla that was on autopilot that drove right into the 18-wheeler? the guy got, <clears throat> unfortunately, decapitated. Now, imagine putting your company that generates billions of dollars and saying, I'm going to stick this on autopilot for yeah. a while. I don't know. At some point, you just have to, um, you have to start experimenting with these new technologies. If not, you get left behind. But if, if, that were, if business and the world and the way we all make money and we conduct business was, was static and formulaic, sure. It's you not. Could stick, you could put that on autopilot. Of course it's not. That's why it's called... Deep learning, and that's why that that's why neural networks work the way they do. Yeah, but Salesforce isn't providing neural networks. But sure, I mean, deep learning is neural networks. Mm, I don't, I don't think the technologies they bought are technically neural networks. Well, I disagree. I, I think they're really great number crunchers and statistical in, analysis, in fact, and maybe even even to a point, just automated BI tools. But I don't think they're the point of of IBM Watson or in, anything. In fact, the experts that build this stuff, they don't even, they, they rarely actually use the terms artificial intelligence. That's because that's actually complete BS. They will call it deep, deep neural networks though. I mean, that's basically the long way of saying deep learning or machine learning. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, what I'm saying, I, I agree with that. I, I agree. I mean, the term has been taken and, and I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's been taken and made something else. It's been um, appropriated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like Einstein has been appropriated. Yes. To mean CRM software. 
So I just had to look this up, make sure I'm not wrong. Um, deep, yeah, so deep neural networks. It's an artificial neural network. Hidden layers of units between inputs and output layers. Um, detecting, parsing, generating compositional models where the object ex- is expressed as a layered composition of private Im- of image primitives. Uh, used in computer vision. Is, uh, it's had success in computer vision. I don't know. Acoustic models. I mean, there's different techniques for different, depending on what you're, you know, you're trying to do computer vision, right? You're trying to recognize sounds. You're trying to um, parse natural speech. I mean, but that they're, could be, that could be valuable learning. on the support side. People posting images, um, you know, hey, big fail, my, my phone blew up. And it can recognize that the phone does not look like the way it's supposed to look. And it can alert people. I mean, those, those are valuable technologies to me. Those are yeah. good ways of, of whittling down masses of amounts of information and pulling out what, what you should be looking at. Right. But in terms of putting it in autopilot and saying, oh, the system can handle it. Yeah. I don't think we're there. We're nowhere near that. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to say I think. I know we're no, nowhere near that. Can you believe it's been two years since Salesforce bought Relate IQ? Yeah. Why? And I just <clears throat> I, I realized that today. That it was 2014. Hmm. Are you feeling like an old man? No, I'm just wondering. I mean, have have you seen a lot of success with that product? I, yeah, I think I have. Okay. I think so. I think I think I think it's it's become enough. Part of the platform. In fact, I recognize it all the time. What, someone, what form does it take nowadays? Mainly the email side of things. So someone will, I'll be on a presentation with someone and they'll flip over to their email and I'll see relate, the Relate IQ sidebar. I mean, I, I, I Is just, it Gmail? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think people are using it. They're, it it's, it's become part of their day-to-day life that it's not really getting a lot of attention. It's just become natural to, to be using it. I mean, is it, doing smart things for them i mean i think it's doing enough that that people aren't turning it off they're okay. keeping it on it's 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 a sidebar that's enabled is there a cost to it i don't know so what else has happened so salesforce decided they did not want to buy twitter nope they walked away although the okay so i think there's some i'll just call out fortune because they're they're kind of pissing me off so, yeah, they're starting to report more on Salesforce. So yesterday, they said, here's why Disney and Salesforce dropped their bids for Twitter. And they claim it's because of all the trolling on Twitter. In fact, there's a whole new... That was BS. There's a whole BS. freaking movement about... It's because about of the haters. The racist, how Twitter's become racist. And I'm like, nah, there are people trolling. These are people that are looking to get a reaction. They're saying things just to say them because it gets a reaction sure. to get attention. Right. People do that all the time. Exactly. It's not a problem with the technology of the platform. It doesn't need to be moderated. It is just people being jerks. Yep. So uh, that was that was lame. But then, although it does make it easy for jerks to be disruptive, that's the that's a, a possible. It does, problem. but I mean, it's easy to block people. It's easy to turn them off. It's it's easy to ignore them. I agree. But it's I, not like I, someone's in your face harassing you. To me, harassment has to be something that you can't get away from. You can't. You can't avoid it. Right. They're right there on you. They're stalking you. They're doing all these things. So these words that people put online in, in comment boards, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, block them. You have the tools to do that. Right. Don't let it. Don't let them harass you. Yeah. Get rid of them. So, so anyways, the, the next day, apparently, what's today's date? Oh, yesterday. So actually, maybe in the same day. Hold on. Were these articles both in the same day? Oh, my God. They're both in the same day. Oh, my God. Fortune. You suck. 
<laughs> so on 10-18 yesterday, Twitter and Salesforce, eh, they walked away because of trolls. But then someone else, uh, are these, these better not be written by the same people. Let's find out. Uh, uh, no, okay. Two different people. All right. So that, that that's to the credit. <laughs> so the next day, it's Salesforce just wasn't that into buying Twitter. They just weren't. It wasn't on that leaked email acquisition. Right. You know, they, they, nah, it was just one of the things they considered and walked away from. No big deal. Well, I have some information that proves that false. If you'd like me to get into that now. <laughs> Let's go for it. Okay. So, right after Benioff's keynote speech at Dreamforce, his big talk, he had to leave immediately and book it over to uh, some hotel there in San Francisco where, because the big shareholders of Salesforce, and there's like seven of them, right? We know they're, Salesforce is like 90% owned by a few big banks and hedge funds. And they demanded Benioff get over there and talk to them about this Twitter thing because they don't like it. So he had, right after his speech, he had to go over there and talk to these guys. Um, and his goal is, you know, to uh, assuage their concerns about planning to buy Twitter. Um, it was led by, I'm just reading some notes here, Fidelity Investments. And I've learned something about Fidelity. When Benioff messes with Fidelity, they have a, they have a knob. I wonder if it's, um, I, I wonder what, I haven't seen this knob, but I'm wondering what shape it takes. Is it like, you know, like an air conditioner knob? Or is it like a big, like, wheel they have on the wall? This knob that Fidelity owns literally sets Salesforce's stock price. And they can set it to whatever they want to. Because, first of all, I've learned that they are the ones leading this. But also, every time Salesforce, the, the news, would, a rumor would come out or Salesforce would say that they, you know, they are pursuing this, Salesforce's stock would drop, not like this, or, you know, not even pretty sharp. It would be a drop off, an absolute drop off to a new price, and then comp instantaneously level out. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is you can, and, you, you, you guys can then, see yeah, Jeremy's yeah. Egyptian moves here, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm walking like an Egyptian. <laughs> um. And then when and then when you know it was supposedly they had backed away, the stock immediately jumps to a new set price and levels out instantaneously. And this is Fidelity doing this, I have no doubt. They own fourteen percent of Salesforce. Anyway, uh, at least one Fidelity portfolio manager emailed Salesforce about the deal being a bad idea. And they some of these guys spoke on conditions of anonymity. Um, other Salesforce investors, including hedge funds, said they would sell the stock, according to two people with knowledge of the communication. Um, but supposedly, Benioff's, when he was speaking to these investors, his language about the deal had turned conciliatory and defensive. But this thing says that, you know, the pushback offers a window into how big investors can insert pressure on these potential deals. We've I, seen them pressure before, but this was, this yeah. was really taking it to a new level. Well, I, I think Benioff really wanted this. I think Benioff... Well, he was fighting investors. Benioff really, He was really going to jam this down their throat. I think, he, I, think, I think it's all ego. I think, A, because he lost link, the, the bid to LinkedIn, and I think he wanted to have a, a really big purchase. And two, because Benioff has always said he, he's this messenger. He's this social guy. He's, he's the one that, that wants to, to be out there and, and, and create this message and, and this thing. And Twitter would allow him to do that. And owning Twitter would allow him to do that. And it would, in I'm, some not, I'm not sure that it would any more than it does now, but okay. Oh, are you kidding? Everyone, everyone knows Twitter. Everyone has a Twitter account. They're, right. I'm getting blasted by emails of watching the, the debate. 
But how would on, that? How does Twitter. that help Salesforce if they if they own the stock of Twitter? Though? Well, that that's the argument of the investors is is how does this really help? It it'll it'll devalue the stock. It'll devalue the company. Um, but but I think from Benioff's perspective, he sees it more as a win for him yes. personally. And the and the investors called him out, and knowing that this was an ego play. Yes, this was a twenty billion dollar ego play that he was going to try to ram down everyone's throat. Mm-hmm. It, but if anything, I, I agree with the investors. I think it would be a bad buy financially, but also I think it would be a, a bad buy in terms of just being a big distraction. Well, the reason that they, that Benioff had because I think, people are going to call him out. They're going to say you need to fix this harassment issue now. Yeah. What do you, what are your plans? What are you going to do? Yeah, and it'll become a huge distraction for 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 Salesforce to have to deal with moderating these these comp, these things. Of course, the haters and the trolls are, are are actually a very convenient excuse for Benioff. But the real reason was that he had to back off because they 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 called his bluff by lowering the stock price. And look at how Salesforce make, does these acquisitions. Okay, it's it's you know largely based on Salesforce's own stock, and if Salesforce's stock is you know sixty instead of eighty, then that dramatically reduces their ability to make these acquisitions. True. So they have to. Benioff's got to keep. There's only, again, there's only a handful of them. You could put them in this office right here. He's got to make these guys happy, because if not, he's not going to be able to do his deals. Which and they've has, let has, him. They've let him pretty much have his own way, but this was too far. I, I see that. I, I I think this would make a good soap opera. <laughs> yeah. I, I see them as, you know, they, they gave in to a lot of things. They let them do a lot of things because they, they could somehow justify, you know, how that would help Salesforce, how that would help their investment to be more specific. I mean, we're, we're not talking about politics or anything like that. We're talking about a company that, that exists to make money, to be profitable for those that have invested into it when, when you want to break it down. And when we talk about the stock price and all those kind of things. We're trying to make money here, and and to some extent, I think they let him play loose with a lot of things. They gave, they gave him some leeway on on some of the social things he wants to talk about. You know the way he runs Dreamforce. I think they gave him a big pass on um, all all these things. And I think he he you know just like anybody else, he pushes the limits to see what he can get away with. And this was one of those things that he he really pushed for. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm overall glad that this uh, this did not go through. I mean, it just—it's—it's—it's it's too much. I don't see the benefit from Salesforce. They—they they already get the, the Twitter fire hose, so you know, which is important for the, their business and for all these these marketing products they have that that use the Twitter fire hose. Well, I mean, it diversifies but them immensely if they had Twitter. It diversifies them how by even by even a by even losing more money. Twitter loses money. In terms of, of software... And They're yet another company that has not once proven their business model. I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at it from the perspective... Uh, from the perspective, I try to speak too fast. And you need to wet your whistle. <laughs> I, I think that's my problem. I've been wetting it too much. <laughs> Title. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I skip lunch, okay? So I'm running on breakfast and uh, whiskey. <laughs> This might be another one of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad. We, where, we've been way worse. Where, where was I? This is quite tame. I, well, I, first, first of all, everyone knows perspective. Twitter. Perspective. You, you, you're going to give me your perspective My on... My perspective is that everyone knows Twitter. So, so Salesforce buying Twitter immediately puts them in the forefront of, you know, in the face of Facebook I don't know, People talk Amazon. about it more, right? 
Okay, but so that hasn't worked for Twitter. Twitter's everywhere. It's on every news anchor and twin sports personality celebrities. They've all got their own TV shows. Everything has its own hashtag, its own Twitter username. And yeah, sure, Benioff would like to be a part of that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think, he, but that doesn't it hasn't resulted in any value for anyone yet. It, it it's an awareness campaign, first of all. <laughs> if anything, I mean, you you will be hard pressed to avoid but the, Salesforce. But the if they if they acquired Twitter. Everyone in the freaking world would know Salesforce. Okay. I'm not just talking about domestically here in the U.S. I'm talking about internationally oh. everywhere where Twitter has, has, has deep-rooted seeds. But the audience that Salesforce needs to have awareness in, they already have good awareness in those areas. The, the types of business users, decision makers, the, every, they all know about Salesforce. It doesn't matter. Salesforce stock price, at least as far as I can see, is based on news. It's based on making a splash. Based on, on doing these stunts, these okay. PR stunts where they... They continually cycle through features that existed in Classic, rename them as Lightning, go, we've got this great new feature that does this, this, and this. Isn't that awesome? Talk about us. Yeah. Tweet that. Yeah. Talk about how great we are because we added this new feature that existed, but now it's called Lightning. Just because Salesforce owns Twitter, does that get people to tweet about them more, though? Just because, I'm sorry, just because they own Twitter? I mean, well, it puts them in the news more. It puts them... I don't know that it does. It puts That's them the on, it, on the Gartner chart when they talk about Facebook and Google... It puts them on that. Yeah. In, in terms of right. social prov- well, social providers. So you shared some of your perspective. Let me, let me share some perspective if I can pronounce it. Tw- so Twitter, they, you know, they wanted, they want to get somewhere between 20 and 30 billion, something like that. I think their, their recent, I haven't looked in the past week or so, but I think their market cap's right around 14 or 15 billion. So let's say that, let's say that Salesforce could get them for 15 billion, which is below the, what they're willing to sell for. But let's say that Salesforce could get them for 15 billion. Okay. First of all, Salesforce market cap is what under under fifty billion. So we're talking about a company that's 40 percent of the size of Salesforce, and we're talking about a company, Salesforce, that barely has a billion dollars in the in, in cash, and that's got a lot of quite a bit of debt actually to 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 balance that. Where, and, and look at, and look at a lot of goodwill. And look at the other companies that Salesforce is mentioned in the same breath as. They have tens, fifties hundreds of billions of dollars of cash. I mean, Salesforce is just trying to play a game that they don't, they're not in a position to play. They, they're trying to play with the big boys. Well, well Benioff wants to, wants to be a, an equal to Oracle, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Facebook, Apple. <sighs> Apple's a hard one. But company. no, but he's I, always I been, he's always wanted to be, I, that's well, why he I say, wants to be he wants, Steve Jobs. He wants, to, he be, wants to, no, to be Steve Jobs. He wants to be a combination of two people, Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. If you could somehow <laughs> meld those two guys. Yeah, I, I see that. But I mean, Apple's all hardware. I mean, there's software is not that great. Well, I, OS X's great. <laughs> I like it, but... Right, I have a quote from some analyst, and then I have a, a Kramer clip. I think it was from when they were sitting outside of the Dreamforce there that is related to this. So here's the quote. If shareholders were to sell and drive down the value of Salesforce stock, that would hurt Mr. Benioff's deal-making capabilities, which is the point I was making a minute ago. Salesforce needs to aggressively acquire companies to keep its revenue growing as its core business, uh, uh, sorry, as its core business, CRM, slows. That's the other point I was making earlier. All right, let me find this. So what does that mean? It means that, I mean, again, I've been saying this for years. I mean, Salesforce is the thing they've got to keep doing. 
because their their stock is price is so based on almost unattainable growth in both revenue and profit. And if there's any slippage there, it's going to be a big problem for them, which will really hurt their deal making capabilities. And well, I, it'll it'll affect their way to keep talent as well because a lot of those guys are. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, and this is I didn't I didn't mention, but I've got a bunch of quotes here of these guys talking about how Salesforce still does almost ten percent of their revenue is accounted for in um, stock based compensation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still how they're paying people is by printing shares. Which right now is a good deal. I've almost forgotten what's in this clip, so this might be a surprise. Things. Okay, well, you've got some very big shareholders that own big stakes. You talk to your shareholders. I love big stakes. Big, big old prime ribeye. Oh, I love a ribeye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a shareholder. I have stakes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll have for dinner tonight. Stop by, pick up a nice ribeye. Yeah. There's a shareholder like Fidelity. They own a gigantic amount of stock. Obviously, someone is unhappy that you're even in talks. I have to believe it's a Fidelity, maybe a T-Row. I mean, you want to satisfy other shareholders besides yourself. I just am not willing to start a precedent by having to address specific deals. Right. Which, I think that's a valid point for him to make. Yeah. I, I agree. Mean, you can't, every time you want to look at a deal, or you're doing, you can't have someone just constantly backseat driving you, right? I, I, think, I think it's an out for him. But at the same time, I agree with that out. It, it, it's not something he wants to set precedence Yeah. Because if I did, this then all the deals, I know, but all of the deals, even though it's got gorgeous weather, <laughs> even though the company's doing so great, even though the customers are so happy, if I start to address specific deals, then, you know, where are we going to end up? You know, each and every segment I'm with you, you're going to be like, well, I heard you're going with this company. I heard you're going to that company. And the reality is, look, we have to. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> look at everything we're going to pass on most things and the reality is our decisions have been very very good for our company uh, on the vast majority of the deals we do the stock goes up I mean, right. great example demand, demand where even crux that we just did a private company whoa we had no- whoa he was ready with that one sure they don't said demand where and kramer said right after that you, you like demand where oh yeah. yeah he was ready for that one <laughs> that's on the script yeah amazing company we bought this year quip and this is a year we didn't even think we we're going to buy any companies okay, well, that was that's to- okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i almost spit my whiskey out a year we didn't think we we're going to buy anything yeah Man. <laughs> i think that's the end oh. amazing about this year I've done- yeah anyway oh <laughs> oh man whew whew Glad you didn't spray me with whiskey. <laughs> that was close. Although that's I'm not, sorry, Benny. Hey, we, we we have a leaked email that shows that is not true. Oh, exactly. exactly. No, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about that, but I don't know. So there was a for anyone who hasn't heard. This is part of the um, all this uh, you know supposedly Russian hacking or whatever the hell is going on. But you know, Colin Powell or got his email hacked. And of course, he's on Salesforce's board, and uh, they they got a it was a PowerPoint deck of. Salesforce's uh, potential, you know, acquisition targets. Yep. Um, who's on there? Quip. Um, Demandware. Uh, the weirdest one to me was Adobe. It's like really. Actually, I don't think Quip was on there. Quip was not on there. Okay. Adobe was on there. Adobe was on there. LinkedIn, Workday, ServiceNow, which is interesting. Um, Netsuite was on there. Netsuite, Tableau, Pega. 
peg a can. I know. Remember the until Salesforce buys them, <laughs> yeah. and they're all about Salesforce. Uh, click Viva Box, which uh, we knew about Box. Box Did was we? Box was rumored. Okay, because they they tried to do that kind of partnership, and they you know because the new Salesforce files was going to be all Box, and then. For some reason, that fell apart. I don't. I don't know what happened there. But Demandware, which they did end up doing, Zendesk, Marketo, and HubSpot. And the Zendesk CEO was like, "Yeah, we're not interested." That's what it said in the PowerPoint. It's like he was like, "Nah, yeah." Pretty much at any price, no. But interestingly enough, Marketo is listed in this email as in play. Now, Demandware was listed as in play, and they did end up doing that. Tableau in play. Um, uh, what else was on here? I think those were only two in play. Oh, Click was in play. And that means they're they're negotiating. Yeah. Which why would Tableau and Click be on there when they have Wave already? Oh, well, this was early May, so it could be a way to kind of acquire and grow the Wave platform. So, I mean, like we said, it, it, they home grew it, but it was still missing a lot of. Maybe they'd just be buying customers, kind of getting them onto the, the Salesforce well, platform. Well, I think it buys them some algorithms that they needed. I mean, I feel like I those mean, don't have algorithms, though. I feel like they're just data visualization. Don't is, you? Is Tableau only did? Yeah, actually. I mean, it looks like it is to me. I'm not. Yeah, a, I've, I've done a couple of things with uh, bringing in Tableau dashboards, but I've never like gotten really into it or anything. Yeah, my assumption is they had they had some algorithms, <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know. Because I mean, I mean, even Microsoft BI had had some algorithms, and IBM. I forgot what they call theirs. Um, someone, someone I saw on the Slack has got got quite a bit of um, click experience. So maybe they know. What is click? It's like a Tableau. Oh, Q L I K. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm not a data scientist. Oh wait a minute. Yes, I am. 250 an hour. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Salesforce. Salesforce says I'm a data scientist. I heard a discussion. Salesforce says I'm a data scientist. So therefore, 250 an hour. Yeah. Data scientist. I saw a discussion, or I heard a discussion the other day. It was some data guys, like people that would be called data scientists talking about how the term data scientist is actually just a bunch of crap. Well, I mean, any term when you break it down is just a bunch of crap. No, but that one we really... Like that one really categorize is, and call ourselves things, but... That one really is a bunch of crap. When it, when it comes to, like, the consumer world or business world, we, we like to bastardize everything. Well, and, they really bro- they were really breaking it down, like, what, what, thing, what people really are called and what someone would call a data scientist nowadays, what they really would be. And there was, like, a lot of statistics and different things. I can't remember, but... I was, Actually, a, program, very I was a programmer and I was called a uh, business analyst level one. I eventually got to level three because of the pay grade. What are these levels all about? It, it's all pay grade crap. It's organizing your human resources. It, well, it, determine, Bind, it determines your pay grade, first of all. That's the only reason I cared about the levels. <laughs> right. Is because I couldn't, I couldn't get a certain was pay grade. Was this a military or a something? Level. It's ridiculous. Uh, did you hear about the Microsoft war on Salesforce? That's what this. They're, they're friends. They're that's buddies. what the article called it. Um, I guess uh, Dynamics 365 is being released soon, November, and they're planning to start a price war. Ooh, that should be interesting. But Dynamics is already cheaper than Salesforce, so how are they starting a price war? <clears throat> that depends on on what they're offering at a yes, certain true. price point. Yeah, I'd like to see Dynamics 365. So, so the 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 challenge that that all of these subscription subscription based products have is as they continually evolve the platform and continually add value at what point do you say this new feature requires an up in price and how much 
how much are people willing to pay right. for that? Because with SaaS, you're already paying for what used to be called software maintenance. Right. So I expect to get new sh for free. Right. So, at, you know, it, you know what, what, what if Salesforce said, Einstein is free for everyone. You get it now today. And then you go to renew your three-year contract. And they go, yeah, your contract is now, uh, I'm throwing out, I'm throwing out a fake number okay. for the sake of, of, Give me, give me a percentage increase. Okay, we'll say we'll say your percentage is going up ten percent. Okay, that's kind of normal though. That's you know every few years you're going to get a ten percent. Okay, increase. I want to be abnormal. Let's okay. say thirty twenty five percent. Okay, twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. That's more. That's abnormal. Yes. And you're like, well, what the hell? I've got all my data in here. I've got. I don't want to pay this, but to transition, it's going to be painful as hell. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to go to my board and say, yeah, they upped the price, and we got to get out of this thing. And that I think that scenario has actually been real for a lot of companies. I've heard of companies that had had, had some pretty good discounts, and what they were told was, you, "We either need you to renew early and for the three year term, or get all the add all these additional products, or you're going to lose all the discounts you have. Plus, the the list price is going up ten percent. You add those together, and it's like twenty five thirty percent. And and to me, I. I in fact, I've been. I, I thought about talking about this. I don't. I don't have all my thoughts together on this subject. But in terms of the subscription-based model, I have a feeling it's going to break. I'm not sure it's sustainable. Oh, I, if you think I, back, I, I can't imagine us not going going if, back. If you think back on on the on-premise solution, someone could be running version ten of your application and be perfectly happy. They don't need your new feature. They don't need your new X Y Z that you're using to to increase your stock price or you know, your portfolio or whatever you want to call it. They're happy and they're running and it's a, it's been a great investment. They will, they will champion, you know, your company and everything because it does really well for them for what it does. But now in this subscription-based model where you're automatically getting updates, you're automatically doing all this kind of stuff, except when the company decides to add something that they think is more valuable to you that you're not even using, yeah. and they decide you have to pay more because that feature is native in there and you can use it, can it's there there's there's no opting out of it it's just native what do you do i don't know or what about people they're just like hey man i'm happy with this on-premise stuff because the cloud is kind of bs <laughs> i, I I'm, I'm starting to formulate this theory that this idea that and I'm, I'm being completely genuine about this that maybe the subscription model is not the best way to go well i mean one, think about thing, all our things for sure think about, about my 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 um Office 365 subscription. I said it. I, know, I said it. I know. It was it was it was on the edge there. But it was borderline, but <laughs> it I said was. it. Office 365. <laughs> I said it. I'm not that drunk. If yet. you slow down, I'm it's not easier. I'm not that drunk yet. Anyways. I mean, we we've we said this before. There hasn't been any new compelling features, but yet I'm paying year over year for this thing. And the features that I do use have always been there for the last five years. Why wouldn't I just pay the yeah. the two hundred bucks once and keep using it versus having to keep updating and paying every year for what I'm paying? Well, a lot of it's psycho uh, psychological. They want you to be afraid of all the stuff you're going to miss out on if you don't subscribe. That's true, but but with the subscription model, that goes away. <clears throat> <clears throat> with on pre with the previous model, I'm not going to even say on premise. With the previous model, where you paid for what you got, and that was that and was the feature set. Buy a license, right? In order to to get you to buy again or pay for the upgrade, 
they had to offer compelling features that mattered to you. But now in this model, that doesn't matter anymore. Salesforce can, come, can throw anything on the wall and say, we think this is the future. This is where you need to be. And you're going to pay for it. Not only that, you're going to get it whether you want it or not. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm, not sure, I'm not so sure I'm a fan of the subscription model anymore. I was at some point because it was constant updates. If there was, there was something wrong, they could patch, they could fix it. You're always on the current version. I was a fan of that model. But now I'm starting to see this, this, this evil corruption in the model that says, we're going to just throw all these things that sound great and you're going to have to pay for it either way because we think it's great. Yeah, it's definitely not without its downsides. Um, you know, the big selling point is, you know, a dollar is worth more to, you know, a dollar today is worth more to you than a dollar a year from now. So if you can lease something, it actually ends up, you know, for the same price you could buy, it ends up being a little bit cheaper. And then, of course, the selling points of, you know, if you just, you know, if you just lease this thing from us, just subscribe and pay us a small monthly fee versus this big acquisition cost, we'll just give you the upgrades. You'll just get the upgrades. It's kind of, it kind of, you just like, okay, that's cool. I don't have to worry about getting behind. I don't have to worry about some big upgrade. Of course, the truth is, anyone who has a non-trivial Salesforce installation is, you do have to worry about upgrades. You have to do all kinds of planning. The more, the bigger it is, the more, and that's just, that's just software. It's not, not really Salesforce's fault. I don't, I don't blame them for that, but that's the truth of SaaS. Yeah. Or at least SaaS, where you're on a multi-tenant system in which you are going to get upgraded and there is no such thing as a perfect upgrade. And there's a lot of work to be done on every single one of those, and they're three or four times a year. You know, and I've, there's these other models. What was it, the service now? Which uh, I thought they had a fairly compelling model. It, wasn't, it was not multi-tenant, it's multi-instance. So you kind of get your own instance, and they'll let you run the, keep running the old one. But the problem with that is that only goes so far. Like, you can't run the old one forever. Because yeah, I mean, they, they're not going to be able to support it anymore. The, yeah, the drawback is at some point you're going to have to upgrade, and that's going to require a migration versus it's just it's just upgrading. Well, a big migration versus all the smaller migrations, which are theoretically safer, smaller migrations. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, e even today when, when you go to Lightning, or we'll use something more specific, enhanced comments or notes, you know, that's a migration. You can't take your old comments and or what, you, what used to be notes and attachments and start using the new enhanced notes. Yeah, or and when they when they switch, that's a that's a migration that has to happen. Remember when they moved from what was it from tags to what what was it? Remember that? Um, there's a new thing instead of tags. Move, yes, sir. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Uh, someone will. I don't know. Anyway, Salesforce they introduced a new concept which is similar to tagging. It's a it's a chatter thing. Topics. It's a topics. 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 Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you basically had to. I mean, people paid me to do these. Big tag to topic migrations. Um, it's also one of these things you feel bad for. It's like, God, you think when I mean, you, you're paying money to this cloud service provider all the time, like you think they would, that would just would have been happened as a part of the release or something. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they, they come out with these new technologies, but they don't create a migration path for it. It's, I mean, I, I, on some point, I'm happy because someone has to pay me to do that migration. But I'd rather be but doing at some point. But you'd rather do, you, you and I can both do way more interesting work than crummy data migrations, though. Yeah, exactly. I would just, I'm more interested in doing higher value things than that. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. SaaS. There's, there's advantages and disadvantages. It's like, you know, leasing cars, right? I mean, you're, 
You're always going to get a new car. It's always under warranty. So it's kind of just less to worry about. So you, you always have governor limits. <laughs> you do, I know. <laughs> 15,000 miles a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully it doesn't throw an exception right when you're trying to pass someone on the freeway. Limit <laughs> exception. <laughs> Shuts down. Uh, can, I, can I segue into my topic? Speed here? limit exception. Can I segue? I'm trying, to get top, I'm trying to get potential titles here, John. How about speed limit exception? Is that a good one? See, now it's way too obvious. I can't, that can't be the title now because no. I had to like... Because you forced it. I know. Yeah, you can't force it. Title. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about at some point this Facebook for work thing because I find this quite interesting. Not necessarily its current state, but where they might go with it. With a company with the... I've never heard of it. Oh my God. John, is that rock hurting your head yet? Rock. You really should get out from under it. No, I've been sick. <laughs> is this recent? Well, okay. Well, Facebook for work is like a year old, but... Well, I don't know about it, so that sounds like it's doing really there's well. There's like a new, you know, iteration of it called, I think it's called Facebook Workplace. Um, okay, go, so the fact that you said there's a new iteration of it says that it failed nope. and they're having to re- rebrand it. Nope, I don't think so. I mean, you probably should read about it before you start saying stuff. No. Go, go to workplace.fb.com. which Okay, is a, if you're not on our Slack channel, oh gosh. here's a call to action. If you've ever heard of Facebook for work, then put it on there. If you haven't, then put it on there. If if you are in our Slack channel? Yeah. Okay. And if you're not in our Slack channel <laughs> and you're listening to this, an hour and 10 minutes in, you're still listening? <laughs> what should you do, John? Go to our Slack channel. Go to... No. Oh, my God. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. www.gooddaysirpodcast.com forward slash community. Right. And sign up. Yes. And if you're, and a, I'm not if, sick this week. There, I'm, and if you're I, a spammer or a bot, do not, do not just ignore that advice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry to everyone last week who had to wait for an invitation because I, I was sick and I was late in sending those. But Aren't, I mean, I, th- I think at some point we're gonna have to start limiting. We're gonna have to start, you know, interviewing or, or qualifying people for our community because it's become this, uh, you know, fountain of wisdom and knowledge, and you know, we've even got, you know, some. <laughs> Everything from Salesforce experts to Salesforce employees this and evangelists. Isn't a cult where you have to like determine who's who's allowed no. to be in or who's not. No, but I, I want everyone in there. Uh, I want the cream of the crop. I want all three million developers out there <laughs> yeah. in in that Slack channel. Yeah, for several. I'll even start paying the Slack fees so that we can have three million developers on our Slack channel. <clears throat> there you go. There you go, everyone. Give, giving away your money again. <laughs> Make me spend money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's sign up just so it costs John money. There you go. All right. Anyway. Um, not just think, so, okay, this is another example, this Facebook for, or what's it called? Uh, I, got, I just Facebook lost it. for work? No, no, no. Workplace by Facebook. You know why that exists? So that people can get on Facebook and, and pretend they're working? I know. Of, quotes, of course, that's, that's one of the topics of debate about this. Is this just a way for people to, you know, slack I'm, off? I'm Facebook. During well, well, people, when they're supposed to be working, uh, there 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 are a lot of people in our Slack channel that go, uh, yeah, I just I just click a little shortcut so I can get out of the the non-work Slack channel into the Slack channel, so right. it looks like I'm still working. <laughs> so there's there's so many interesting points to this. One of them is is just this topic of the consumerization of either like IT. You hear that's been that's been a topic consumerization of IT, but also just the consumerization of business software. And I think you know I got to yeah. give Salesforce a little bit of credit here. I mean. Starting with 
um, chatter. And I still, I, I really do. I mean, I, the chatter UI, it just, you know, it's like chalk, I, yeah, uh, na- fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, but it did, it was kind of bubbly. It was one of the first kind of forays into like a more modern consumer social looking application. Yeah. And, and I and, thought their approach to it was great. I mean, your data is part of the conversation, which I think is, is, is great. Yeah. And obviously Lightning <clears throat> is a gigantic step in that direction. Mm-hmm. But even uh, Salesforce One, more modern looking app. I mean, you compare any of those to classic Salesforce and you can see that they're, they're moving towards consumer looking apps, you know, but they're business apps because people care. It's like when people started bringing iPhones to work or... Mm-hmm. Um, I brought uh, my own MacBook to work. I used it for everything except for whatever I was required to have on the network. Yeah. If I was developing on Salesforce, I used my MacBook. If I was doing anything, I used my MacBook. If I had to use a corporate-sponsored application, I was on my company-provided laptop. I mean, think about in the, I guess it would have been the 80s when people started buying PCs at home because they had used them at work and wanted to be able to use the same thing at home. And then people start developing computer games for PCs, which were supposed to be spreadsheet machines. You can't, so this me, is, you can't tell me you were, at, you were at work one day and didn't fire up a game at one point in time. Oh, you're not a gamer. I was going to say, I might have you on that. You're not a gamer. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> so it includes a, uh, you know, forms for group discussions, so that the ability to create groups, um, voice calling, video calling, and like real-time chat stuff. Uh, it's not free. So this is a paid Facebook product. Hmm. It's going to be somewhere between one and three dollars per user, and they're targeting like one thing they're targeting is like is Slack, which is Every, six. Everyone to, has six it in twelve Slack right now. Well, because they're they have like a Skype wants to wants to text because Slack Slack, Slack is worth like five billion dollars now, and they're oh. a stupid chat program. <laughs> <laughs> well, Slack is expensive. I'll tell you that six to twelve bucks per person um, per user. Don't tell me you were paying for Slack. No. Okay. Um, interestingly, they've already they've already got integrations. Facebook has built integrations with several SaaS tools. The only one I saw listed was Asana, but that's interesting. They're already, they're already going down that route of integrations. Asana's expensive. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, how much is it? I looked at Asana; it didn't seem expensive. It seemed right in line. It's yeah. There's a block for per like five you know, I'll tell blocks you what, of users. First of all, I don't use, especially particularly for software development projects. I do not use a traditional task CPM you know, PERT, Gantt-oriented software like Asana. But if I had to use one, it would be Asana. It's actually we're, pretty we're, well done. We're not even using Gantt functionality. We're just using task yeah. management. <clears throat> I mean, that's all we need. But it's very much, you know, you've got milestones, you've got yeah. you've got your critical path. Um, well, I mean, it has things like subtasks and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, predecessor. And it's we, just like, we found that those are just unusable. Well, that you we, know, just strict to create, we, we, just, we just create a task assigned to someone and we're done. Well, and that gets done, especially on again because software projects are so dynamic. You build this model of how of you first of all you think you you're assuming that you know all the work that well, needs to be done. Gantt's are very waterfall. Yes, and Gantt is also it's the same thing. I mean, Gantt is built to is built to model CPM and PERT and milestone type of project management. Mm-hmm. But you assume that you know all the work that needs to be done, right? And you assume you know how it's going to get done. Well, and really, more on, importantly, on, you assume the end date. That too. Of all that. That too. And the reality is on any software project, I mean, software projects should be emergent. If they're not, you're doing it wrong. And every little bit that you build on it should inform how you build the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And if not, then you're just, you're going to, 
you're not going to end up with a successful product. But anyway, I don't want to get into a rant on how software should be built. Yeah, you're saying waterfall. I spend half of my work. day doing that every, every day. <laughs> waterfall can no, work. it can work. It can work. And in fact, um, you can probably Google this and find it. Barry Hawkins, who's an who's a really smart software developer, developer and consultant and coach and all that. He did a great talk at like I don't know if it was the ACM or or some some software conference, and he talked. It was about waterfall. Which is, and it might have been actually, this might have been even in like an agile conference or a scrum conference or something. But what his point was, he went back and did like looked up all the original stuff on whoever the guy that even coined or coined the term agile. And he, because the guy wrote like papers on mm-hmm. this. And it turns out what he was calling waterfall, it's not really what we think about water. We have really cast waterfall as this. You, what, are, are we appropriating waterfall to something kind else? Kind of. We've <laughs> cast it into what we think of waterfall now. But in ter- if you, Go back and because Barry did this, he went back and the guy's name is Barry Hawkins. You can, I'm sure you can Google this. I'll try to find it and put it in show notes. But he he went back and read the guy's papers, and that's not what Waterfall was. Waterfall was actually quite iterative. I mean, there were steps and phases of the project, but within those steps were these iterations. So it was never supposed to be that waterfall. It was never supposed to be that concretely defined up front. I I, I don't know. I think I think waterfall came about as a term that made sense with with trying to up front design everything and then you have this big drop of just development 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 and then at the splashdown you're supposed to have some kind of product well it was it was it was more like you know planning was a big phase and it would you're, fall into documenting what you're describing is a like multi-step waterfall where there's like three waterfalls along the line where you kind of go down one and then you go down another again, and then you go down another it's not my description it's the guy who coined the term and wrote papers on it that's yeah I'm just I'm, saying I, I'm just saying we if took, we're going to create analogs in nature then then yeah those exist the the Niagara Falls of waterfalls, maybe we should avoid, but the the cascading waterfalls that exist in other places, we should we should embrace. <laughs> Why are you smiling? Wait, I'm, just, I'm just typing some notes here. Don't don't worry about me. Um, uh, so here, note here. So Hootsuite apparently has been using this Facebook for work thing, and some guy named Holmes. What's up, Holmes? Reports. Uh, not. Uh, I don't believe that's Sean. I think it's a different Holmes. Uh, the workplace has proved to be, isn't it? Has proven, you know, has proved. I don't know to be a huge time saver. Proven, as with other group messaging platforms. Quote: Instead of firing off dozens of group emails, you can have a much more natural conversation by posting and responding on a Facebook group. He says there's also a visibility factor by subscribing to different groups. You get insight into what's going on across departments. So that's, uh, well, hang on. Okay, gross. so I do think that, you know, email, email is getting to where it has less and less use. Email's for very, for me, email's for a type of thing where I, it's, a, it's a decidedly asynchronous. Um, it's not asynchronous, it's synchronous. It's... Well, but it's it's time delayed. So what is that called? What's the right word for that? Like meaning I need to send you something. I don't need you to read it right now, but I need to send it to you in a in a fairly reliable way and it so that it hits your database of an email system. But there's no feedback required. And it's, on and, an email. and it keeps and it keeps a record. There's a kind of a nice log. Emails, you know, has this history and, and whatever. There's some use for that, but but I think for the majority, at least for like the type of work I do and the type of communicating I need to do, email is not the appropriate method for most of my communicating things like slack are much better things like im are much better and so to that degree that that makes sense and also visibility like you know agile um if you read some of the some of the books on 
like Alistair Coburn's got one called, I think it's actually called Agile, uh, Agile Software Development. And he goes in deep into like the psychology of what makes these methods, methodologies work. And a lot of it is the, like the, they call it the warmth of communication and the fact that like the reason why you put, you know, nowadays it'd be like a, a Kanban board with sticky notes on the board is because it's an information radiator. People walk by it and see, you know, and, and, and you get all these little serendipitous learnings of things that you would have never learned if you, if you didn't have these little information radiators or if you didn't sit near people and, and overheard conversations and things like that. Um, and I think as much as we're in this digital age and, and it's kind of remote work type of thing, like we want to try to find digital analogs to these, to these old school information radiators and in these group chats with appropriate channels and things like that. And, 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 and nowadays, even when you can, when you can say, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read this channel all the time. I don't want notifications, but if someone mentions my name or if someone mentions any of these things, then I want to be notified. Like it's getting kind of cool where you can do that stuff. Here's what's the really coolest part. And I can read you all the criticism that people have of, and because there's, there's valid criticisms of just information overload, all this, right? There's valid criticisms for that. But what's really cool is I think Facebook is uniquely positioned to have the machine learning to figure out what I need to know. I don't have to go set up and try to figure out, okay, look, keywords. Keyword, that's such a, that's such a blunt instrument, right? Keywords. It Facebook is. is going to get to where it will know what I need to know and will notify me when someone says something that I need to know. Mm. That's an interesting future. And that's what if I was Salesforce, that's, that's a little concerning. Because as much as... It, it feels like a future that's forced on us. Like, like Facebook, when they started moderating the, your, your, your feed. I totally agree. It, I, it I was feel, forced yeah, on us. No, and I now know. we've kind of gotten used well, to how it much, and we accept you it because we're used to then, it. Then you know what? Get your money back for what you're paying for, for Facebook then, okay? Go ahead and dem- saying, demand a refund. I'm just saying... it. Forget about the money. Whether I paid for it or not, forget about the money. It I'm was saying, forced I'm on I'm just us. saying, you're not, the, you're, not the, you're, not the, you're the product of, of Facebook. You're when, their product they, hold, they sell to their on, advertisers. Hold on. When I signed up for Facebook, it was a feed, and it was a chronological feed. Now, all of a sudden, they decided, you know what? There's too much in your feed. I'm going to tell you what's important. Facebook was never built for you. It was built for people who paid Facebook money, which is advertisers. They're going to put things in your feed... That are more no. Ad- Facebook evolved into a business model that required them to but care. That, was, that about- was always the business model. That was always the idea. I, I this is different. People are going. This this turns that model on its head. People are going to be paying Facebook to use Facebook, and so now Facebook will be applying these tools and all of their machine learning and all these smart people that work at Facebook to benefit. It's new customers, which are, in this case, for the first time, the actual users of Facebook. The business users of Facebook are now the customers of Facebook. Whereas as, as us consumer users of Facebook, we're not the customers. We're the product that's being sold to the customers. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. I think Facebook is a very capable company. They seem to have executed pretty damn well. They're making a ton of money. They're doing something Twitter has still probably will never be able to do. Yeah, in terms of I agree. Uh, in terms of proving a business model and operating uh, profitably, well, they're they're playing catch up. I mean, they're, they're trying to replicate the Facebook model yeah. essentially. Let's let's wrap up. I mean, no, I have one more thing. I have okay. I have a, a right. special pause, thing for you. Pause, pause for the cause. Let me pause, but I have something I want to surprise you. <clears throat> All right. Oh, hope you're come back with your pants on. Well, I had I had a, I had a whole rant prepared from Process Builder, but. That can wait. Okay. Yeah. Any day is good for a rant on Process Builder, right? It's not going to change yeah. anytime soon. No. All right. 
So we have some thank yous to do. Okay. Uh, we, uh, Sean. Okay. For all the swag. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, we have a we have a whole boatload of surf force swag here. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have towels. We have shirts. Uh, a um, a wetsuit shirt. I guess it's a wet shirt. What do you call those shirts you wear at pools? Swim shirt. I don't know. Swim shirt. Yeah, it's something like that. I guess it goes in conjunction with pants, but. Wetsuit's usually a whole thing. Unless you opt to go pantsless. <laughs> Which don't, you know, the, the judge said, don't ever do that again or you're going to be in a lot more trouble. So probably should avoid that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Sean. That yeah, was so, cool, man. So thanks, Sean, for sending us those shirts and towels. Towel? And oh, yeah, the towel with our, with our logo on it. Yeah. Can we hang that on the wall? We, we don't have a lot of wall space here. It's covered by all this acoustic stuff. Should hang it on the windows to block the sound. That's true. Yeah. More acoustic treatment. <clears throat> all right. So, and um, another thank you to Brett Nelson. That would be Brett MN, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's, a, he's a fan of the show. He, he's uh, a, I didn't realize this. He, he's relatively new to Salesforce. Yeah. That, that was interesting to find out. I know. Yeah. It's a .NET guy. Yep. He's um, struggling with the ecosystem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no, he he uh, he wrote a blog post about his experience on at uh, Dreamforce. He had a he had a, just a few bullet points on it, but uh, he he mentioned the Good Day Sir podcast. He said uh, that he met up with listeners of the Good Day Sir podcast, and he said they were all great people. So imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 my special gift to you, Jeremy. Oh wow! Now that we got all this swag back. Um, <laughs> I need a drum roll sound. I, I know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this very very much, and so oh. I present to you the my pronouns are bad oh. <laughs> to Jeremy. I have a badge, so you can pick your pronoun, and now I will never Man. have to guess at what pronoun you would like. But I have to I have to figure out which pronoun I have to I have to search my most inner self <laughs> and figure out. How and I expect you to wear that every day. I'm going to, damn it. <laughs> this is awesome. <clears throat> As part of Salesforce's commitment to equality for all, Dreamforce welcomes trailblazers of all gender identities. Yeah. You know, I hope... I hope that this made people feel more comfortable. It's hard for me to imagine it did, wearing a pin that's like, my pronoun is yeah, because, because the reality is you're wearing a pen that says I'm different than you know 99 of other people. And right. I, that's what was kind of a little weird to me about it. But hey, and if, in fact, if if anyone wore this and were able to declare their pronouns in a way that they got you know, people uh, knew knew how to refer to them and made them feel better, then I would like to hear about that because I would like to think that this actually um, made some people more comfortable. And I mean, as much as we joke about it, like hey, you know, this if this helped you, then. Congratulations. I mean, that was, I think, a good thing for Salesforce to do. Do you feel it's going to help you? Oh, also, they've got a thing. In addition to men's and women's uh, restrooms, we also, we also have all gender restrooms at Dreamforce. So they did have male and female restrooms. <laughs> so those of us who, who wanted a male-exclusive or female-exclusive restroom, we, we right, could go. Right. But then, then they also had the gender neutral. Yeah. Which that, to me is, is equivalent <laughs> to the, the family restroom that we've always had. Yeah, we we still, yeah we do have those where I can go and 
it's got a place to change my son or daughter's diapers. Right. Or if you have to, the, the secret is, if you, when you have to poop, that's the one you go to. You know what? Speaking of being comfortable, <laughs> it was always more comfortable, I think, for women to go into those those bathrooms than it was for me to go into. I feel like I'm going to get tackled by some security guard when I go in there. Yeah, I'm just like I'm going in here. I've got a I've got a little kid here yeah. who needs his diaper changed. Right. I'm going in here. Right. Please, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not weird. Right. I'm doing this for a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you need a badge that says my I my name is John and I am not weird. I mean, if we want to talk about comfort and inequality i mean us, us guys experience it too i mean the the world and when it comes to kids no, the world the, is built around moms speak and of the stuff. devil look at the slack channel right now slack channel oh i just meant got said brett nelson was typing a message but they must have slowed down typing because it stopped saying that oh i i often do that i think i'm going to respond to something and i'm like eh, i shouldn't yeah. say that <laughs> well i've noticed I, I think you know ios does this and oh there see there it goes he just he just posted but anyway if you slow down typing or stop for a minute it, that message goes away, even though you had just you're just you've taken a break. Hmm. That's good. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes I respond to you, but I'm like I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say he's a dumbass for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I have I had a lot of topics. We didn't get to a lot of them, but oh, um, yeah. I forget that. Well, the big debate in the Slack channel right now is commenting in Visual Force pages because you that, can't. That's a long time problem. Well, you can, but they get stripped. I mean, you can you can leave comments in there so for when you're reading your own code, right? But at runtime, they get stripped. Yeah, which makes no sense. That's super irritating. It is. Why? I don't know. All right, John, I gotta go home for dinner. You're it's hungry. dinner time. All I need is my whiskey, and I'm I'm good. Nah, we we know that. I have re- require other food groups <laughs> besides the whiskey food group. That's all you need. Okay. Just whiskey. The whiskey diet. I'll champion it here. All right. I'm, I'm teasing, John. You, you, you. Come on. Go on. <laughs> Take us out. Why do I always have to say it? Why don't you say it this time? I'm not the one who says it. Why do I have to say it? You're making this awkward now. Well, and to that, I say, good day, sir. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.